Our guiding star and purpose is to protect the civil rights of individuals, to make their own health choices, and to support a diversity of health perspectives. Um, we have some materials available up front. Uh, if you're interested in knowing more about the organization, and um, you can also drop in a donation if you like. Um, big thank you to the Commons for letting us use the space. We share the donations 50-50 with them. So if you're able to make a contribution, that allows us to keep going. Um, the Building Health for the Community event came out of the efforts to reach people at the farmer's market. We looked for a new event with the end of the farmer's market and decided that the message that we wanted to get out to the community was that building health is really the way to address, um, to address health. And we decided to put together a group of local healthcare professionals to give you an idea of the diversity of care that's available, and we had an outstanding response. Um, and we'll be going through April now, <laughs> all the way through May. So this is maybe, maybe just a weekly event um, for the rest of the year. But much appreciation to the volunteers who have um, kept this going, uh, all the different little details that have to be taken care of from the promotion to making sure that um, the facility is available. And also a big shout out to the speakers for taking their time to do this. Um, tonight, uh, we're going to have a talk for 60 minutes and then we'll do a 30 minute Q&A. The speaker will be videotaped, but the audience will not. Um, and I don't have the details, but I know that the uh, videotapes are being broadcast on WDRT. So they will be available to people who can't be here. Uh, the views expressed in this presentation don't necessarily reflect the views of Driftless United for Health Freedom. And I think that's all the housekeeping. <laughs> so um, I chose to introduce the speaker tonight because she's a friend of mine. Um, she's one of the first people that my husband and I met six years ago when we moved here. Uh, we stopped at the Tangled Hickory for a drink one night, and my husband, Dan, met the bartender, Dan. And they got talking, and he said, do you know anybody who teaches martial arts? Well, lo and behold, Dan's wife teaches martial arts. So. Um, Gail has been my husband's martial arts teacher for a long time, inspired him to go to Japan and, and study there, and has also been a friend of mine for, for the duration. I'm happy to say that I've got many of her herbs growing in my yard, um, and, and that's the kind of energetic connection that I like to have with people. Um, Gail has helped our family in, in ways I can't express here, but um, she's, her work is amazing, and I'm excited for you to hear about it. Gail Amira Nelson is a hypnotist, certified matrix energetics practitioner, kundalini reiki master, and a martial artist with degrees in both electromechanical technology and visual communications and a past corporate career in laboratory materials testing and information technologies. She brings a solid science background to her work in understanding consciousness. She works with clients in private practice and group to access resource states where observable changes take place. Tonight's presentation is called Thoughts Are Things. Learning to use the power of the subconscious mind isn't just useful, it's fun, and I can attest to that. <laughs> Humans have the ability to tap into creativity and inspiration to states of consciousness where physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual healing can take place, and even to create radical transformation in what appears to be reality. 
Health and harmony begin with the mind. Let's journey into the realm of consciousness where our minds play with frequency, vibration, and resonance. Thanks, Susan. Thanks. <laughs> okay, so now it sounds like people can hear me. Good. Um, so I just want to say this stuff is fun, and that's why I do it. Uh, what you're going to see is at the very beginning tonight, I'm going to talk a little bit, dive into some sciencey bits, um, because I do like to practice evidence-based protocols, right? So um, otherwise, it's just woo. It's just woo stuff. So I am going to dive into a little bit of the science behind um, the energy, subtle energy, some of the things about the brain and how that works. But then at the end, I'm going to put it all together and show you the simple formula for how you can use your thoughts to manifest your reality. And this isn't going to be anything like the movie The Secret at all. <laughs> um, so when I first got my um, hypnosis certification, I got it at uh, Virginia Beach from an instructor, a man who was an instructor at the Association for Research and Enlightenment that Edgar Cayce started. And it's still going to this day. So my, the basis of my type of hypnosis and what I do acknowledges that we are whole beings. It's mind, body, and spirit. So I do include that even in my own intention, if it's not overtly when I'm working with somebody, but there's definitely an element of that that I bring into my work. So I acknowledge that. And Edgar Cayce's saying was, thoughts are things, mind is the builder. So thoughts are where it all begins. So there's three different areas I'm going to talk about tonight. The first is the background and the science bits. A uh, little bit about the heart and the heart field, a little bit about the brain and, and thoughts and subtle energy and all that. And then the model or the formula that I use to get my thoughts into the right coherent space to create things or to help my clients heal from things. And then thirdly, the tools to explore that creation process. There's different ways that we can get into these mind states and how we can change our brain waves consciously. And we know a lot now about how to do that in a very simple way. Uh, consciousness, everything is consciousness. That is the key to the universe, but actually there is no key to the universe because it isn't locked. So all of this stuff is right in front of us all the time, and it, and it has been for a long, long time. So the first thing I'm going to talk about is energy. Energy. The life force energy that we have is so important. And it's named so many different things, different cultures, different ages, name it different things, chi, ki, prana, um, whatever we call it, it's the force that keeps us alive. And we also have other forces other than that that we can measure that isn't considered subtle energy, like electromagnetism. We know that we can, uh, with our measuring instruments, we can measure our brain, we can measure our heart, we can do EEGs, we can do EKGs. So it's electrical, we are magnetic, all of that adds to our health too. And then we come into the other kind of energy, that woo energy, the scalar energy, torsion field energy, Tesla waves. And that's where we, those are the powerful, that's the powerful energy. That's the part that we haven't been taught how to utilize. 
So there's four fundamental principles that I like to think about in order to understand subtle energy and how to use it. So we're learning from quantum physics, even though, and I would be the first one to tell you, I'm not a physicist and I'm not gonna go there, but it's just like if I wanna learn how to drive my car, I gotta know how to put gas in and put oil in. I don't need to know how to take the engine apart and build an engine, okay? I don't need to know about quantum physics to be able to use subtle energy, but it helps me, if I learn a little of the science behind it, it helps me understand it and use it better. So that's my approach to it. So everything is created from the same matter and interconnected. And I don't even really like to call it matter. I, I like to call it, it might be the ether that is surrounding us, or it might, you know, you can call it a vacuum, you can call it zero point field, or just call it the field. But these, this is one of the ways that we need to understand how we're connected and how we can use that. Um, so this field around us, the subtle energy field, is not electromagnetic, it's not gravitational, and we really don't know how to measure it. In fact, there's some debate about whether it exists at all. Subtle energy is like light, for instance. It carries information. And information comes from our thoughts. Our thoughts are subtle energy. We project those thoughts out into the field. Now, whether we do it consciously or unconsciously, that's the part that really matters. So a way that you can really ramp up your power is by trying an open eyes meditation. Now, this is what mesmerists use to fascinate somebody, is they use the power of our life force energy and project it through the eyes. And it's really cool, but here's the trick. Don't blink. <laughs> How long can you sit and meditate with your eyes open, looking at a spot out in front of you without blinking? If you can do that for 15 minutes, I guarantee you, you'll have some really weird things happen. <laughs> so try it sometime. And everything in the world vibrates. That's the last thing about subtle energy. Because everything is frequency, vibration, and resonance. Everything. That's what makes up the field. It makes us up. Physically, emotionally, and here is a way that we can imagine how that uh, vibration and frequency works in the human body. We all know about chakras. I mean, years ago when I started doing this stuff, people didn't know what chakras were really. Some people did, but you know, people would say, oh, that's kind of woo, I don't think that exists, but, but it does. And so each of these energy centers needs to be active with energy, with frequency, with vibration. And it needs to be balanced. You don't want it too overactive, and you don't want it too underactive. And in addition to that, we have our energy meridians that flow through the body. And of course, as any acupuncturist knows, these have to be open and flowing. And again, you want the right quality of energy running through your body. It's not just any kind of energy. It needs to be at a certain frequency. Every one of our organs operates at a certain frequency. Every cell in our body has a frequency. And all of the effects that are around us, from the food that's toxic, to the air, to the water, to the earth, 
All of that enters our biofield. It's in our biofield, and that has frequencies. And it affects our frequencies, so it affects our health. Not all energy is visible, and I think we know that. But I think um, sometimes the only thing that we think is real is something we can touch or taste or feel and use our senses on. But ultimately, that's really only probably less than a millionth of our reality. We filter out more information than we take in. And here is just a little bit more of the energies that we don't see typically, but that we do have instruments that can measure. And the visible color spectrum. Colors all have frequencies. They all vibrate. And what you don't see could hurt or heal you. As we know from 5G out there and all the EMFs that surround us all the time, we know that some of them have very detrimental effects. And sometimes it's very hard to prove that because we don't have the proper measuring instruments to prove that. And music. Music is absolutely frequency. And it's very interesting that all these patterns over here are musical notes. They're musical notes. And though we can't see the energy or the frequency that created that, we can see the results of the frequency. And that's on something called a collodny plate. And it's just a, a metal plate like this, and you can hook it up to an amplifier so that it resonates to a certain frequency. And you put sand or salt on top, and as you apply the frequency, the sand or the salt makes patterns based on the frequency that you're playing. And you can put your finger on it, which creates a node, and change the pattern because it changes the vibration on the plate. And so this is just a visual representation of what frequencies really are doing. And if you think about that, frequencies that are all around us all the time could be having this type of effect on your body. <laughs> We're 70% water. Can you imagine? We're going to talk about water later on with Masaru Emoto, but um, the frequencies are doing this to your cells, to your the fluid in you, to your blood, to everything. So it's having a huge effect on us. And just because we can't see it doesn't mean it's not happening. And uh, this over here is something that's really interesting because ancient people knew this too. We've lost a lot of knowledge. But this is a picture of a Culloden design. And it's from the Roslyn Chapel in Scotland. And there's many, many of these blocks that have these frequency patterns on them that are placed all over in the building. And as far as I know, we haven't broke the code yet. We don't know what they mean, what they signify. They could be an orchestra, you know? We don't know. Um, but it's fascinating. And this is just showing, again, it's more, um, it's electron clouds. You know, we were always taught that atoms were like almost like a mini galaxy or a solar system with protons and neutrons and electrons circling around. And that's really not the way it is. These are pictures of stable states of atoms and the clouds, the electrons that are forming around the rest of that atom is, it's a cloud of electrons that is a probability wave. And what that means is it, can't, it doesn't exist in any one particular state until that probability is collapsed. So that's when reality happens, is when 
that collapses from a wave to a particle. And here's some more pictures of uh, Kolodny waves, standing waves. And these are scalar waves. Um, you can think of standing waves as scalar waves also, but longitudinal waves are ones that travel from one point to another, like uh, waves on an ocean. Um, but a standing wave is one that vibrates in place. And as well known, Nikola Tesla, brilliant. If you want to find the secrets of the universe, thinks in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. And that's where thoughts come in and how they impact our health. And there, here's more of the Rosalind Chapel. Here's a, a little bit larger picture of where those frequencies are. And again, quantum mechanics. We, none of us understand it, so I don't have to be shocked because I don't get it. Um, what's in a thought? Now, here's the interesting stuff. So our brain waves are energy that we're projecting out into this field that surrounds us. So we are affecting our reality, what we perceive with our thoughts, whether we know it or not. We can do it with our conscious mind, with our awareness, or our unconscious mind. So if we're throwing all kinds of unconscious thoughts out there, like, you know, we're all not coherent, our mind thinks one thing, but my body is saying something else, then everything's confused. It, nothing comes together to create anything of any use. And it's just confusion in the body and in the mind. And here's just a representation of some of the brainwave states. And as a hypnotist, um, we learn how to identify when somebody's in all of these states just by observing what somebody looks like. There's certain signs of the depth of hypnosis they're in. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, beta is our normal waking state. Alpha is the meditative state where the brain waves slow down a little bit more. Theta is the space right before you fall asleep at night. And that's where a lot of physical healing takes place, is in the theta state. Um, delta is a deep, dreamless sleep. And a lot of very interesting things happen there, too. If you're not getting good sleep, if you're not getting down into that delta area, um, if you can go, I think the last study I saw said like four days, and you'll be psychotic. You'll be psychotic. So that's, you know, a method of torture. So uh, definitely not good for the mind, but it's not good for the body either. Now, this is something probably most of you haven't heard of. The reticular activating system is a little spot in the back, about starts about at the top of your spine and goes up a couple inches to the base of your skull. And it's about as thick around as a pencil. This is really important because this is the thing that filters out information or focuses on information that you want to perceive. So, for instance, if I wanted to find socks in my house, I would just say, oh, I'm looking for socks. And as I walk through my house, I'm going to tune out everything that isn't socks. And my reticular activating system is a thing that helps me do that. So our brain, our conscious brain, filters out more information. We can only hold five to seven bits of information in our mind, our brain, our consciousness at one time. But the unconscious mind has all of it. It's a repository of everything. So the important thing is learning how to connect 
how do we focus and then how do we connect so that we know how to project only the things we want out into the field? The most important thing, focus on what you want, not on what you don't want. I can say every single person that I've seen in my practice comes in, sits down in the chair, and when I ask them what they want, they proceed to tell me what they don't want. Everybody does, because that's why they're there. They want to fix something. But think about this for a minute. When you, when you make a grocery list and you go to the store, do you make a list of what you don't want, or do you make a list of what you do want? <laughs> so that list of what you don't want is going to be endless. There's so many things that you don't want. So this is, this is the main thing right here. Focus on what you want. Use that reticular activating system to focus on what you want. So the subconscious mind can cause changes immediately in your body. Your body will respond to all of those changes. Thought causes a response in the body. So um, if you've ever had the experience of blushing right away when you're embarrassed at something, well, that's a thought. You thought something, you had the emotion of being embarrassed, and your face turns red. Very typical. Now, you would think that's outside of your control. You didn't want to blush, so there was a part of you that said you need to blush because that's good for you, and that's your subconscious mind. So what we do is to communicate with the subconscious mind, which is the one that's powerful and in control of everything, your heart beating, your respiration, everything. Your subconscious mind takes care of all that stuff 24-7 below the level of your conscious awareness. Well, your conscious mind has no, nowhere near that ability to do that. So we need to communicate with it. And we can do that. The unconscious mind can talk to us through idiomotor signals, which are just little twitches or little movements, head nods, whatever I ask the subconscious mind to give me a sign. I'll say, this is the sign I want. If it's a yes, give me the sign. And it does. And it's very, it's very clear when it comes from the unconscious mind that small, involuntary movements. It's going to look very different. It isn't going to look like this, like somebody did this of their own volition. It's just going to be just a little and very small sometimes. Everybody's different that way. But so this is how we can communicate with ourselves. <laughs> um, so yeah, the true power of thought. We talked um, before about we're putting thoughts, frequencies out. Words are frequencies. Speech is frequency. Thoughts are. And these are a couple of pictures of the work of Dr. Masaru Emoto, who discovered by aiming thoughts or words at water, um, and then freezing the water and looking at it under a microscope, he saw that if there was positive thoughts, like gratitude or love, the water would look beautiful like this with snowflake designs, really nice and artful. And on the other side, if hate or I'm going to punch you is directed at the water, then this is kind of the deformed, icky water and what it looks like. So that's powerful. If you think about that, we are 70% water. So when, when we're aiming our words or aiming our thoughts at somebody, it's useful to be cognizant of that. It's, you know, let's use words that are going to create really nice snowflakes in their, in their blood and in their water of their body. 
And of course, I think everybody's heard of Bruce Lipton. He definitely shows that it's not our genes that are causing us to be sick. It's the expression of the genes. And what did he do in his experiments? But he had cells that he exposed to frequencies when they were in the Petri dish. And depending on what frequencies he aimed at those cells, they would express themselves in different ways. So it isn't really that the genes are important. I mean, they give us some indication. There's a predisposition to certain things, perhaps, which is just a signal to pay attention to what that is. It, it's not a predestined illness that you're going to have. Because if you, remember, if you think that you're going to have that illness, you will. That's called the nocebo effect. And that's just as powerful as the placebo effect. So morphic resonance, this is, this is another thing that we here in this room and the Duff group are doing, is we're creating a morphogenetic field of health and wellness and learning the, the ways to take care of us. The more people that there are that are coherent with a certain intention, and the longer that intention is out in the field, the more powerful that morphic field or the morphogenetic field is. So if somebody says, is Santa Claus real? And you're like, well, no. Well, he's like, I, I would debate that, right? Santa Claus, everybody knows what Santa looks like, knows what his behaviors and patterns are, knows what time of the year he shows up. He's got reindeer, he lives at the North Pole. Well, we've put that morphic field out there, so now it's a thing. Santa Claus is just as real as we perceive him to be. And again, if anybody has seen that wonderful documentary, The Matrix, <laughs> That's the representation right there of how there's information and patterns in just this world, this matrix that surrounds us, or whatever we want to call it, the field. And we can affect that by our thoughts. So if you saw the movie, people are, are basically stuck in a coma, and they're living in, a, in an illusionary world, but they don't know it's illusionary. They think it's real. And isn't that really what we're doing? Because if we can change reality so quickly, and I can tell you I've had a couple experiences where seriously, it's like, that's like magic. And when those things happen, you realize that nothing is solid. It can't be. Otherwise, miracles can't happen. <laughs> so this is, I love that movie. I've watched it, I don't know how many times. But that's how we change it. And I can say that that, that little picture there I had the experience of once seeing that and experiencing that because I used the archetype of I was in a situation where I, I didn't feel I had within me the knowledge that I needed to do a certain thing. And so I said, I don't have that, oh, but I know who does. So I tapped into the morphic field of that person who was an expert at what they did. And I just laid in the bed, and I'm not kidding you, all of this information came down just like that, and I downloaded it. And the next day, I did great. And it was just like magic. It was amazing. But I opened myself up to that possibility. 
And so, you know, if we're talking about health and wellness, what could happen if you just opened yourself up to the possibility, realize that there are no boundaries there, and then I'll show you the formula. So consciousness has a real and detectable force. We know that. We just need to practice. Brilliant man. So most of us here don't know what torsion fields are. The Russians have done a lot of work on torsion fields. And Nikolai Kozarev was, is the one who actually started that back in the early part of the last century. And he did a lot of experiments. And he actually found um, that thoughts really do affect um, his objects, his measuring instruments. And what he found is that emotional thoughts produce larger effects than intellectual thoughts. So this, the heart field, is where emotional thoughts come from. And the head is where the intellectual thoughts come from. Now, you can't accomplish much, much with one or the other. You have to use them together in a certain way. This is a picture of the torsion field around a human. And the heart is really in the center of that. And this is where the power comes from. And the energy that comes from our heart space is 50,000 times more powerful than what comes from the brain. And that is something that we can measure. So now we're coming to the formula. Thought plus emotion plus action is what gives us creation. So as in the movie The Secret, they left out the most important part, I think, which is the action. So we have the thought, and we want to clarify the thought, the intention, and then we want to pair it with the emotion, which is from the heart. That's the feeling. So that would be a feeling of gratitude, a feeling of love, or imagining. Imagining what it is you want. Don't just think about it and say, I want a vacation in Mexico. The way that you pair that thought with the heart space is by imagining that you're on that beach and you feel the sun and you can smell the ocean waves and you can just sense the temperature. So put those things, the thought and the emotion together, great. But you ain't going to get to Mexico unless you take some action, right? You still got to buy your ticket. You still got to do all the 3D stuff to get there. And this is how you pair the brain and the heart together, and it creates something called coherence. Um, the HeartMath Institute's done great work on that. They've um, done a lot of measurements. They've shown the power of the energy and what can happen when you get coherence, heart, heart and brain coherence. And it's, it's a very powerful thing. So how do you get that? You know, we think about things. We use logic. We're conditioned to do it in our society. So we use our brain a lot, which is the left side of the brain. And you know, the left side is good. It's logical. It lets you talk and form words and, and read words and, and you know, architecture, build things. But we don't use the right side of the brain very much. That's intuition. That's the part that communicates with us by symbols and thoughts and metaphors and emotion, the feeling that we put into it. So you need to marry those two things together, but how do you do that? How do you get into that brain state where you've got coherence? These are some of the ways that I have found that work for me. 
and that uh, I think a lot of other people do too. So image streaming is something I'll cover a little bit because that, in my experience, has been really a powerful thing. Um, hypnosis, of course, my favorite that I work with people on, that you access really quickly that, uh, that state. And yoga, Reiki, art, music, playing music, writing music, or listening to music. It doesn't matter. Music is one of the fastest ways to get to that coherent state. Uh, being in nature. But here's another thing, the action part, right? These are all great. But have you ever heard somebody say, yeah, I tried that once, didn't work? <laughs> right? Well, you need to practice. Practice, practice, practice. You have to have the discipline to have a practice. It's, it's just like a professional baseball player, right? It's like if you want to get good at baseball, you have to practice. You have to have the discipline to play all the time. Otherwise, you're not going to ever win the World Series. So that's the value of that, practice and discipline. So this way, how do we get there into that space of imagination? Well, we can do image streaming. And image streaming is a process that was, feel free to come in and sit down if you'd like. You don't have to stand. <laughs> um, Image streaming was created by a man called Wynne Wenger. And he wrote a book called The Einstein Factor. And what he discovered was that by using this method, um, you may be able to increase your creativity and even your intelligence, your IQ. So who knows whether that's real or not, but I have found it useful for taking journeys and having almost a vision-like experience. So you could, um, you could ask a question and then image stream and get the answer. Now, whether that answer is coming from your higher self or your subconscious mind or someplace else, we don't really have a way to know that, really. But instinctively, I think we can feel where these things come from. But what you would do if you wanted to explore image streaming would be to get yourself a partner or have a recording device. You can do it that way. But a partner is a little bit better because they can work with you to prompt you through the process. And you, first of all, you just take a few deep breaths. You get in your centered space. Close your eyes. And then you just imagine whatever is there. It can be a sight. It can be a smell. It can be something you're hearing but you just talk and explain what that is and you describe what that is and you don't stop describing. You continue to describe whatever that is, whatever you're doing or feeling or seeing. And if you, what happens frequently is you might slow down and not talk anymore because you're going into that process. You're going into that brainwave state in your subconscious. That's your partner's job to say, and then what happens? And then what did you see? And what do you notice now? And they'll prompt you to keep talking again and just keep talking. If you think about it, it isn't coming from your unconscious mind or your higher self. You ought to not think about it. You want to just go, go, go. Um, and then you know, you know that you're with the unconscious mind. And so then you just um, you do that until you are done, whatever that might be. And now I've had, I've had some experiences with doing this myself uh, where they were really vision-like experiences. Um, 
I connected with uh, my personal guide, um, who was pretty snarky. <laughs> Someone like, like a part of me. Um, and it was really weird because I could have a conversation with her. <laughs> and uh, so it's fun. It's fun. It's an exploration. But think about it. You could also, if you're having a health issue or a relationship issue or anything, you could play with this and go in and get the answers that you're looking for and provide them from your own unconscious mind or your higher self. So it's a lot of fun. Another way that you can do this is by doing what I call it a heart space meditation. Um, I have a guided meditation that I've recorded. Um, if anybody would like a copy of that, um, just shoot me an email and I can send you one within the next couple of days. But it will also take your consciousness, which if I asked you all right now where your consciousness resided, where would you all say? Let's try it once. Point to where your consciousness exists. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I got a few different people. Most people, when you say where your consciousness exists, they usually point to their head because that's our thoughts, right? And there's no right or wrong. It doesn't matter. But this is where we point. So when I say bring your consciousness to your heart, it's dropping your and dropping it into the space of the heart because that's more powerful. So this is like the captain of a ship. You, the captain decides where the ship's going to go, sets the course, and decides how you're going to accelerate, all of that, makes all the decisions. But if he doesn't have an engine and he doesn't have any steering, that ship isn't going to go anywhere. So the power of the engine is here. So we have to take the intention from here, drop it down here, and tell the engine what we want it to do, because that's where the power is. So this, a way that you can do that is imagine, if you've ever been to a water park, I haven't, but I can imagine a water park. They have those little slides that vortex down like this, okay? So here's a little mini me, and the mini me is in my head, in my thoughts. So there's this little mini-me up here, and I'm just going to get on that water slide, and I'm going to go down this vortex through my throat, and I'm just going to imagine that it goes all the way down and drops into a pool of water right here in my heart space. And then I'm there. So I can create an intention, a thought, an intention here. Then I want to forget about it, and then I want to drop it down into here and let it do its thing. And that's where the power comes in. So that's the vortex going down through the throat. You imagine that vortex there, creating the energy. Hypnosis, a state of relaxed, focused. Um, it is, and it doesn't look like that. <laughs> Always. Sometimes it does. Uh, However, it all depends on what you want to do. The unconscious mind can be great at stage shows like that and having fun and, and improving your athletic performance and anything that you want it to do. You, you can always use your unconscious or subconscious mind to make it better. So when people come see me, sometimes they want something better. They want me to fix something, do like remedial hypnosis. And that's okay. You might have chronic pain. Uh, you might have 
a medical issue you're dealing with, you might have been diagnosed with anxiety and need to get rid of the anxiety. So that's what I would do, is just get you into that space, talk to your unconscious mind and say, this is, this is what Melanie wants. She wants to be relaxed. She wants to be happy. She doesn't want to be anxious, but we don't focus on that. We focus on this. And then the unconscious mind goes, oh, I get it. Okay. Yes, I'll do that. <laughs> and then I have it do it, and then it's done. And it can happen just that quickly. There are other factors sometimes, but um, so that's one thing we can do, but then we can also do generative hypnosis, which is like you're already doing something well, but you want to do it better. So you're in sports. Or I've worked with um, a, a marksman. Um, she was trap shooting, and she wanted to be better because that's one of the things that, you know, all physical things being equal, and you've had the discipline, and you've done the practice, there's that bit of consciousness, just like golfers that gives you that edge that you need. And I can tell you, there's not a professional athlete out there, and I can tell you there's not a golfer out there, a professional golfer, that doesn't use a coach that uses some kind of subconscious programming. That is just the way that coaches work. If they're not, then they're not a good coach. <laughs> um, Reiki. Um, many of us in here may have experienced a Reiki session. And again, this is an example of energy. It's subtle energy, not measurable. And it also accesses the morphic field of Reiki, which are the symbols. As everybody knows, there's symbols that you use um, in different levels of Reiki. You learn the symbols, and you use the symbols, and then you channel the energy. Well, what you're doing is you're tapping into that morphic field. It's just like Santa Claus. Does it exist or doesn't it? Well, it depends. How useful is it? If it's useful for you, then it exists. And the future of health. Future medicine will be based on controlling energy in the body. And that is so, so true. Um, even in our modern medicine right now, even though it is heavily based in pharma and drugs, they're learning that pulsed electromagnetic frequencies can do amazing things to us. It can help bones, broken bones, heal faster. Um, it can relieve muscle tension, inflammation. Um, there's so many things it can do. And what is that? It's an electromagnetic frequency. <laughs> Again, vibration and frequency. So this is something that is typically being used right now um, to improve people's health. But I think we could take it really a lot, lot, lot further than that. So putting it all together, the important thing is start with an attitude of play. This is all a game. Life is a game, and you make the rules. That's one thing you have to realize. It's your world. You make the rules. It's like you're, it's like you're in a you know, massive role-player game, right? You just get to interact how you want to interact. Create your avatar. You create that intention of who you want to be, and then you start to create it. The intention, pair it with the emotion, the imagination, and it gets you going in that direction. So start with play. Then create your intention. Be clear about what you do want. Then drop the intention into the heart space. 
using whatever imagery or whatever the tools that I've mentioned so far and all the other ones that are out there to help you, then take an action. Doesn't matter what the action is. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorite podcasters, um, she is in Canada, and it's really cold there now, like it is here, and she wanted to, wants to go to Mexico. So she showed up the other day, and she had on this bright blouse and all tropical looking, and somebody says, oh, you look really festive today. What's up with that? And she's like, I'm going to Mexico. <laughs> and then you put that on, and that's going to be one step closer, because that put her in the mood, puts you that emotion right in there and makes that powerful intention. Um, and then neutrally observe the outcome. That's the hard part, right? If you really, really, really want something, you're, it's like you're grasping at it. You're reaching for it. You don't have to reach for it. Let it come to you. When you're grasping out there for it, you're never going to get it because you're focusing on what you don't have, not what you do have. So just detach yourself from the outcome. And just allow the universe, the field, to bring it into you. Let the universe make the changes. Even if it's in your body, if you've got an illness that you're dealing with, or if you've got a stress level that is causing you some problems, you can use these tools to help yourself. And just don't grasp. Define what you want. Drop down into that heart space. Imagine Imagine yourself, how good it feels to be able to take a big, deep breath of air. Imagine how good it feels to be able to walk a block, if that's what you want to do, whatever it is. And just use your imagination in that heart space, and then just say, okay, I did it. Now I'm going to go out and I'm going to walk a few steps. Might not be a block right away, but you're taking action towards that to help it manifest. Remember, practice and discipline are your friends. That's how we get good at doing anything that we do. So the quarter experiment. This is, this is a really fun thing. So Robert Anton Wilson created just a little fun thing that you can play with to see how it works. And it's real easy not to be attached to the outcome because it's only a quarter, you know. And it doesn't have to be a quarter. It could be a nickel. It could be whatever. But not $100 bills. Because if you start thinking about $100 bills, and you're going to be, oh, I want that. That means something to me. And then that grasping feeling is going to start to come. And all of the negative emotions you may have around money are going to come in and create a barrier to that. All of the things that say, I'm not worth it. Oh, yeah, no, you have to work for money. You can't just find a $100 bill. You know, all of those thoughts are going to come up, and then your subconscious mind is going to prevent you from finding that $100 bill. But a quarter, yeah, I think everybody can probably just say, oh, yeah, it'd be fun to find a quarter, but it doesn't matter if I do. So what you want to do is take that intention, strong intention. I'm going to find quarters. And I'm going to find quarters that were put there just for me. And you're going to know they're put there just for you because you're going to find them in the weirdest spaces ever. And nobody else is going to see them. You're going to see them. You're going to find quarters. <laughs> and it, it's really weird. It just does happen. Um, very strange. But the important thing is give it a time limit. Just play with it once. Say, in the next 48 hours, I'm going to find quarters. Be certain. Be sure about it. And then just play. Play in the field. And, and see what happens. 
And it really is kind of fun. Uh, e Squared by Pam Grout is a little book. It's an e-book. I think it's in print as well. She has lots of little experiments that you can do to play with it, kind of like the quarter experiment. And every so often I have my clients do that. If we have a conversation about changing reality or um, well, I can relate one story to you that one of my clients had. Um, she was having a problem with a family member. Actually, a family member was having a problem with her and would not show up at family events where she was present. She had no idea what she had done to offend this person, but they wanted absolutely nothing to do with her. And they had been raised together. They were very good friends. And it was just this sudden shh, cutting off any kind of connection. So what I did was we did EFT. We learned emotional freedom technique, which is a wonderful tool. Many of you are probably familiar with it. Um, and I said, even though we had previously used the emotional freedom technique to relieve pain in her body, amazingly, and then I said, you know what? You can use this to change your relationship, to change your dynamic with other people. You can surrogate tap for other people to create changes for them. If somebody is not feeling well or they've got some kind of illness and you want to help them, and they're not into that woo stuff, like tapping or all that energy stuff, then you can tap for them. Tap on yourself. And I'll take you through the tapping and show you how to do that, because I think I have some time for that. And so what she did, she tapped. She went home, and she tapped. And she came back at her next session, and she said, this is weird. She says, I don't understand how this works. But she said, I was at a game, and there was, you know, other places to sit. It was a busy game, and it was for her, her kid. And he was playing basketball, and she, uh, she said, this person who had cut her out of her life totally came and sat down right next to her and started chatting with her about their kids, because they had kids the same age, and how they were raising their kids. And, and she was like, no idea. No idea why it happened, but it just changed the reality just by changing that energy flow. Somehow, I, you know, I can't tell you how it works, but I can tell you it does work. <laughs> so what have you got to lose except, you know, a lot of misery <laughs> and suffering, right? So uh, remember, you're just playing. You can't hurt anything. That is the very, very cool thing about subtle energy, is you can't hurt anything. can't hurt anybody with it. So for those of you who haven't done tapping before, I'll quickly show you how to do that. Is there anybody in here, and you don't have to tell me what it is, but raise your hand if you've got like a pain in your body, a chronic pain that you'd like to go away. Okay, yeah, quite a few. So right now, you're going to focus on what that thing is. So when I get to the part where I say this thing, right, that's when you're going to say that. You can say it out loud or think it to yourself. But we're going to go through it, and I'm going to show you what the entire recipe is from Gary Craig. This is how I learned it. 
And he's like the gold standard. He's the guy who created this method. And now he's moved on and, uh, to something else. And there's a lot of other people that are teaching EFT out there. And there's a lot of different ways to, to use EFT. But this is the basic recipe. So the first thing you're going to do is measure how that pain feels on a scale of 0 to 10, with 10 being the most intense and 0 being you don't have any pain at all. And so just in your mind, say that to yourself. You're doing this so that you have a reference point, so that you can measure something. So you got your number. And now you're going to really define and be specific about what that pain is. Um, is it a sharp pain? Is it throbbing? Is it hot? Is it cold? Whatever descriptors you can use to describe that pain, be really specific with yourself. All right, and I'm going to use an example of, say, I've got a headache, okay? I'm going to say, hypothetically, I've got a headache. It's about a four, okay? So I'm going to take these two fingers and I'm going to tap along the side of my hand. And all I'm going to do is I'm going to say a setup phrase three times. Even though I have this pounding headache, I deeply love and accept myself. Even though I have this headache, I deeply love and accept myself. Even though I have this headache, I deeply love and accept myself. And then I'm going to tap on the, these points. The first one is where the eyebrow begins. And you can use left or right hand, and it doesn't matter which side of the face you tap on. About five to seven times firmly, but not too firmly. And we're going to say it, just a little reminder thing this headache. And then over here at the corner of the eye, I'm going to tap there, this headache. Right here on the bony part under the eye, this headache. Here under the nose, this headache. Here on the chin, this headache. Here right above the collarbone, this headache. Here about four inches under the armpit, this headache. And then top of the head, this headache. Okay. And now you're going to assess again on that scale of 0 to 10, where's your pain? Now, usually it goes down pretty good. You might have to do another round of tapping to bring it down. But each time that you do that, chances are it's going to go lower. Or just one round might get you to zero right away. So what you just want to do, you don't have to come all the way back to here again if it's the same headache. You just start again here and just do another round. This headache, this headache, this headache. And you just keep doing it and assess your pain level in between each one until it's to zero. Now there are some other things that can ramp this up as far as effectiveness, but this is a really quick thing. And I've had people come into my office that were in such pain they couldn't like bend over and pick up their baby and, and hold their baby because their back wouldn't do it. And, um, and they left my office pain-free. And that happens a lot. Um, we don't know why this works. <laughs> pain is a perception. It is a perception. And what, this, what we assume this does, what I think it does, is it that energy field that you have, the meridians running through your body, what I think it does is because we hold emotions in our body and sometimes they appear as pain or aches and pains, we hold that in our body and this like unkinks that hose, that meridian, and allows the energy to flow in so that the emotion flows out. And there's some other techniques that identify like where in your body you're holding an emotion or where you're holding trauma. And we have many ways to get to that so that we can just release that trauma. 
and just releasing the trauma allows you to go back to the way that you truly are as a human being. We're not born with anxieties and illnesses and all this stuff. We are made to be healthy. We're made to heal. Our bodies are made to heal themselves. But it has to start here. You have to understand that you can. You have to believe that you can. Otherwise, it can't happen. And that all starts with thoughts. Thoughts and energies and building, building your health. And it's so important that we continue to just focus on the things that we want and not the things that we don't want. And that is about it. I have one more quote that I thought was really profound that I, I don't know who said it, actually. But we, when we focus on disease, we learn a whole lot about disease but very little about health. So, thank you very much.